Welcome to the Mental Mind. I'm Charisty. Charisty. And I'm Christy. And we're moms, friends, and therapists. Welcome to today's podcast. Today we will be interviewing Amy Scholl. She is um, a former supervisor and mentor to both me and Christy. Um, we both loved working with her and I'll speak for myself. She really put me on um, a track uh, towards success and really um, guided me um, and still continues to guide me today, even though she uh, and I don't work at the same place anymore. Yeah. So we worked together a long time ago. This was my first experience doing therapy when I was in graduate school. So Amy is also a licensed marriage and family therapist. And um, I got to work at a program with her that she supervised. And we worked with teenagers that were working on substance use issues. And she was the program supervisor, then also my clinical supervisor. So when you're training to become a therapist, um, at least for marriage and family therapists, the first 3,000 hours until you take your test and get licensed, you'll be supervised. And so you get you know, an hour a week of individual time to talk with someone about your cases and how you're doing in terms of career development. So Amy was the very first supervisor that I ever had, and Charisty and I share her in common. Yes, and she was uh, probably about the third supervisor I had, but the previous supervisors I had, um, I did not pair as well with, and I was really looking to connect with um, a mentor that could really guide me um, along my way, and I found that in Amy. Absolutely, and so, you know, mentorship is a little bit different in therapy because it's really built in in the training process than in other careers, but we know in general, mentorship is important in terms of career development and support. And so we wanted to have time today to interview our first guest, Amy, and um, talk about that career aspect um, as well. Yeah, so maybe we should say a couple of things first about like, um, how is mentorship and therapy different from other careers? Um, and maybe both Christy and Amy can speak to that. Sure. But, um, and yeah, Amy, go ahead and I can chime oh, in okay. after. Right. Um, so ladies, thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor to be part of um, your talk here. So um, my the only career I've participated in is um, as a therapist, but um, I believe that mentorship is different in the therapy world because the tool we're trying to develop is um, one's self. So, um, people interact and train in a fairly intimate way in that when you're helping people with, um, you know, their skills and abilities to help other people, um, we interface with our own issues. We're triggered in ways that sometimes we don't anticipate. We can have different reactions to clients based on what our, um, past uh, have been like. And so when therapists are training new therapists, they are teaching them skills like empathetic um, listening and, um, you know, things like cognitive behavioral therapy and teaching people to think in different ways, teaching them about wellness. But we're also um, helping folks address some of their own uh, life experiences. Now it isn't therapy. So there's a difference also between supervision and mentorship and therapy. Um, right. But often as a result of 
a uh, that supervisory relationship when we do address and identify some of the therapist issues um, it's very common that a therapist in training will enter therapy um, and have supervision um, and then some of our supervisors turn into mentors as well when there is you know a a, a a connection there, a compatibility there. Right. I think that's, uh, you really laid out a few things that I think are key to what's different about therapy mentor relationships, which is um, your relationship with your therapist, with, with your mentor is a supervisory one. So the, the mentor is also overseeing the cases that you're providing therapy. So while it's a close relationship with each other, it's not therapy, but you're also overseeing therapy. So that's a little bit um, probably confusing, um, but a really important distinction because in other careers, I would say that that is probably not the case. Right. And um, the, the therapist in training, their issues become identified. So if you're training a um, a therapist in training, say they're working with an abusive um, father, right? Uh So abusive father, you're seeing a teen and they have an abusive father. If you yourself um, had an abusive father or there are things about um, that case as a therapist in training that are triggering you, that would come up in conversation and it would be addressed in a very compassionate way where we identify um, that we all have issues and we identify those areas that need attention. Um, they can cause blind spots where we don't see them as accurately as we should. They can cause emotional reactivity where we don't address things um, in the way that we should. And so once those are addressed, sometimes you know, folks will go into their own therapy, therapist and training, they will go into their own therapy. And that is exactly what happened to me um, when I was a therapist in training too. And it, 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 um, encouraged me to make my first connection with my first, um, therapist. I got to address my issues, um, or begin addressing, addressing some of my issues. And it made me a stronger therapist and a much happier person. Right. Oh my gosh. Um, I, I love hearing that. And I also had a similar experience where, um, I was receiving my own therapy in conjunction with, you know, having, um, a supervisor mm-hmm. and, um, and you being one of those supervisors, I actually had multiple supervisors at the same time, but you were probably my primary one at the time. And, um, I think kind of what you're describing is that as the mentor and this mirrors the therapy process, sometimes you have to contain, um, the ex- like you have to be provide that holding environment so that everybody feels safe, even when you're triggered. And as the mentor, you also have to point out, you know, like the blind spots, like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. And that's a really, I think, a unique um, relationship. And um, I, I have to say, it, it's probably the reason why um, um, I felt um, quite close um, with you over the years and maintained our relationship because um, as things develop both both with my clients that you're overseeing mm-hmm. and in my own life and whatever's being triggered between us, you know, you do develop a closeness. And um, I, and I think that's why it's so important to have a mentor that you um, feel comfortable and safe with. Absolutely. And I feel so lucky that I had a series of mentors when I was in training and I still do. You are both familiar with Dr. Clarice Blanchard. Okay. Uh, she helped me grow as a therapist, as a manager, as a woman. Um, 
the way she mentored me made me feel, um, I would say safe, um, celebrated. Mm-hmm. Um, I, she, she provided me with some real skills and when I was struggling with, um, you know, challenges, mm-hmm. she never shamed me in any way. I could be my true and honest self, putting all my cards on the table and not guarding myself, trying to look good, so to speak. Um, she appreciated me as I was right. and in that type of environment. I was able to really open myself and learn. Right. You are allowed to be safe and vulnerable at the same time. And that was um, really important in, in that um, relationship. Um, that actually um, makes me think, you know, like what are the qualities that you think you, um, a mentee should be looking for in a mentor? Um, well, I think that, you know, you have to, you want to, um, form a relationship with a mentor who has experience in the area that you're trying to learn about. Um, I think we want a mentor who is passionate about the field and what they do. Right. So, um, some folks can become cynical, jaded, um, about the profession that they're a part of. Um, you want somebody who inspires passion, um, for the work that we're doing and passion, um, for the process of self growth, you want somebody who's available, right? So sometimes folks end up trying to create a mentor mentorship relationship with someone who is very busy and unavailable, you know, emotionally or time-wise, the person has to, you know, want to, um, be present um, in, you know, in the ways that you're looking for. And then just what I was describing about Dr. Clarice Blanchard, who I hope I am, you know, I've absolutely tried to emulate. Um, I'm so grateful for um, the mentorship that she's provided me um, over the years. And I, I try to interact with folks in the same way that she does. The non-judgmentalism, the genuineness, the unconditional positive regard, these are all... Um, qualities that we look for in a therapist. Right. Um, and I think that we look for it in a mentor too. Um, right. It was just wonderful to be vulnerable with her, um, have her be so skillful, but then also so kind. Um, she kept my confidence up. Right. Um, yeah. And right. I just feel grateful for that. Yeah, you know, as I've been reading um, this last week in preparation for this episode about mentorship, um, you hit on some of the qualities that I was reading about in in some articles. And um, some of them are, you know, like you should be looking for someone that provides guidance and that can enhance your confidence and skills, um, that is using their voice of expertise, and that will be there as a companion on your journey and will take the time to be present with you. And yeah, I think. Well said. So. Yeah. And I think um, you talking about the celebration piece with Clarice, because, mm-hmm. you know, I know her and Chirsey knows her as well from where we all work together. And I think you really, when I think back about our experience together, embody that. So just very strength based, very um, positive. And I think when you were really working with brand, brand new therapists. So a lot of times, you know, I worked with you when I sat with my very first client. 
Um, And so just helping people have the confidence, because I think you go through graduate school and you learn all these tools, but you definitely have that imposter syndrome around, can I really do this? And yeah, I think you really supported us with that. And at a different level, because even as you go through your mentorship process, which is three, four, five, six years, depending on how long it takes you to get your hours, there is something very unique about that first year. And you always remember your first client and Mm -hmm. really trying to think about, can I I do this? Am I made for this? And so um, that really comes through with your style. Oh, that's so great to hear. I did not have that experience as a... um, as a therapist in training, um, my most positive mentorship experience was with Clarice. Um, when I was first learning, um, never had I wanted to do anything so well, right? So we've chosen this career and, um, therapy is very complex, um, and overwhelming. And, um, I had trainers who were, educated in terms of skill sets, but, um, I did not receive the confidence building, um, empathetic support that I would have hoped for. Luckily when they did refer me to therapy, I got some of that then, but, um, if you can have a mentor, uh, a supervisor who provides the emotional support, um, it's a truly wonderful growing experience. Yeah. It's really a gift. Um, I, my, my first supervisor, um, similar to you, Amy actually was, um, very well-trained and I, um, had, uh, I attended this training center, um, specifically because of the theory that they were using. And I wanted to learn more about that theory. And while I perceived my supervisor there to be knowledgeable, he, he wasn't particularly supportive. And um, I always felt that imposter syndrome that Christy mentioned. And mm-hmm. um, I actually, uh, mid, mid-year, I, I made the switch. I, I didn't leave that clinic, but I, I, I added the clinic where I met you. And that was the thing that changed. I might not have ended up becoming a therapist, but that was the thing that changed it for me was getting the confidence um, from you and that support. And I think that was um, just extremely important as an early on experience as a young therapist. Absolutely. It's such a difficult profession to learn. And without that support, it's, it's made even more difficult. And I think we do um, lose some folks, um, you know, early in their training process because they do lose their self-confidence, um, you know, and, and feel like they're unable to rise to the occasion or that they're not appropriate for the field when in fact, if they did have the right support or training, um, you know, their experience would have been different potentially. Right. I think another thing that made you unique in my experience um, was that um, I, I was really drawn to particular theories as a young therapist. And I really like ate up all the information that I could about the theories. But then when I had a person in front of me, I was having a really difficult time applying theories. And um, when I found you, um, what you did for me, besides just giving me confidence, was you gave me genuine, like, concrete skills and activities. And, and um, you made, um, uh, you brought things down to a more tangible level, you know, like we could talk in theory in our sessions together, but I always walked away with an actual technique. 
And that was really um, helpful in my experience. And um, I, speaking of, of other things that were helpful, um, did you ever find um, it difficult to give constructive criticism? Because I think that might be another hangup for um, uh, finding a good mentor is like finding someone that can give you criticism that you can take in. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Well, um, you know, it depends in some relationships. Um, it's easier than others. Um, if you do successfully create that non-judgmental environment, um, it's easier, I think, to um, give people feedback in that way. Um, I think if you are celebrating again and emphasizing people's strengths, um, it isn't all that difficult to, um, you know, help people with the things that they're not as good with, right? So pretty classic situation is therapists, um, you know, they have a high level of emotional intelligence, other areas of intelligence too, but perhaps their organizational skills are not as good, right? Or um, again, perhaps they're, you know, while emotionally available, they're being triggered in certain ways, mm -hmm. right? So, um, you know, if people don't feel judged, they are typically better able to integrate that help and support and, and folks want it. Right. Um, but if I'm supervising or mentoring someone who is not as open, right. To the process, they don't feel safe for whatever reason, something I'm doing, something they're doing, um, you know, criticism, um, or just, let's call it, um, you know, feedback, mm -hmm. uh, is harder to, to take in because folks feel, uh, defensive. Right. And, so that's a tougher dynamic. Right. Um, yeah, I think, I, I, I think there is some, uh, the mentee is responsible for, um, for a lot of this too, you know, like I think um, as a mentee, you do need to take the time and process, you know, like what you're taking in and um, watch if you're being reactive to constructive criticism. You know, sometimes I think um, supervisors are doing their best to provide constructive criticism, but if your defenses are really high and you're not doing your own work, that that um, is kind of on the mentee to make sure that they are in um, a headspace to be able to take it in. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's definitely, you know, a two-part relationship as they mm -hmm. always are. And I, I was wondering, Amy, too, um, just to share a little bit, you know, not all therapists need to supervise. That's optional. So, you know, for our licensing and degree, and it's different for different um different degrees, you know, once you've been licensed for two years, you can begin supervising and providing that, um, that mentorship experience for people, but you don't have to, it's completely optional. So I was just curious how you ended up, um, you know, being drawn to something where that was really the main part of what you did. I mean, you oversaw the program, but you had a lot of clinicians that you were supervising. And that was, I think the main, um, the main part of your job when we were working mm -hmm. together. Yes. So just curious what you liked about that, what drew you to that type of role. So it's so interesting. I'm remembering for the first time in a very long time that um, the first year that I was allowed to supervise, I chose not to. And my mentor, Clarice Blanchard, um, she, she encouraged me to, I think the, the organization could have used, um, you know, my services they needed, um, 
they preferred to have a manager who was also supervising for financial reasons, but I wasn't developmentally ready. Um, and it took me an extra year. Um, something happened in that year, um, where I felt more able and ready to make the leap. Um, and it was an adjustment. It was a big, um, it was a big shift for me professionally, um, you know, in the process that I needed my mentor and supervisor's support in. Um, it ended up that I felt um, more competent than I thought I would. Um, Kirstie, the, the skills that you mentioned, right? So giving right. people practical skills. Um, I had a lot more of those than I realized, right? Because I had done the work. So I had, right. I had worked with these adolescents, these, the, these um, young men mainly um, and women, right, who were low income and um, often on probation, gang involved. So I knew what worked and what didn't work, um, you know, or at least had, you know, a lot of experience in that way. So I found that um, those practical tools were very helpful to people and and a number of d different clinicians were very grateful for those practical skills because as a new clinician you just you don't know how to relate and sometimes teens won't talk to you so um so I think that was helpful um learning that I did have you know some concrete skills to give people and then I started realizing that while there are differences uh, a relationship with a supervisee and mentor, um, uh, creating that relationship um, so that it is supportive um, and a safe space to be vulnerable was something I was already doing as a therapist. Mm -hmm. So then it became, once I realized that, I realized, okay, I've been doing something like this for a number of years, right? But then we do have a commitment to the field. So, um you know, you get folks who are not open to feedback, um, are not only not helping clients, but um, harming them. Mm -hmm. And so you have a, a responsibility to, you know, step into a role where you are more directive. Um, and, and that can be tough, but I ended up loving supervision. I haven't, um, I haven't done it the last couple of years. I really miss it. I'm looking for opportunities to supervise um, here in Fort Collins, Colorado. And I can't yeah. wait to integrate that back into my life again. Yeah. Oh, that's so great to hear. I think this was a really great conversation about, um, you know, the importance of mentorship. I hope it was interesting for people to hear a little bit of the inside baseball take of what it's like in terms of the making of a therapist and, how we do mentorship and supervision in our field. And I loved some of the things that both of you said about um, just confidence and strength building, but also Charisty, as you mentioned, you need to have somebody that's going to give you feedback because if it's only a cheerleader, well, that's supportive. Um, that's not going to help with the career growth. And then Amy, I loved what you mentioned about you really choosing someone that's available because there can be somebody out there that has the skill that, it's a personality fit, but if they don't have the time, um, mm -hmm. you know, it's just not going to work and probably will just be a source of frustration. So I think those were some really um, helpful things to point out. 
Thank you, Amy, so much for coming on today. I always feel inspired by you, and today was no exception. It was great to learn from you. Um, For all of our listeners out there, if you're interested in getting in contact with Amy, you can find her contact information in our show notes. She has a private practice in Fort Collins, Colorado, and works with adults and teenagers and specializes in co-occurring disorders. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Amy. So we're going to end today's show talking about one of our recent favorites. And today we want to talk about a recent favorite Instagram account that we have. And I want to share Faith Broussard Cade. She is at Florida Lee Speaks on Instagram. She is a mental health therapist, a self-care advocate, and she lives in Atlanta. Most of her account is made up of these really beautiful handwritten notes and reminders about prioritizing yourself, being kind to yourself. And I think they're always leaving me feeling inspired and motivated just to fill up my own cup so that I can take care of myself and take care of the people that are important in my life. What about you, Cheristy? Yeah, thank you. Um, The person I've been really enjoying lately is Susie Reading. She's a psychologist and focuses on stress, loss, and change for parents, kids, and families. And I just have to say her account is full of really great self-care advice that's practical, but also somewhat inspirational, which is an interesting sort of um, combination, which makes her account fun to follow. And she's just like a super cool person. Like every time she posts like one of her like personal videos or something, I'm always like, oh, I wish we were friends. <laughs> I know. I think Charisty and I have a little bit, we look up to her professionally. We love her book. Charisty introduced her to me. And I just am such a big fan of, of what she's doing to make wellness accessible and fun for parents and families. Thank you so much for listening today. Make sure to leave us a review and subscribe. That really helps us with the podcast and share it on social media with your friends. And if you want to find out more and follow us, you can go to The Mental Mile on Instagram. And check our show notes if you want to um, check out our books, Self-Care 101 for Busy Parents, which is an ebook by Christy and Running for Mental Health, How to Guide by Charisty. Take care, everybody.